Ocean FM Donegal Plumbing and Heating Old Lahey Road Donegal Town Suppliers of underfloor heating packages Aluminium radiators Samson and Daikin Air to water heat pumps And all your renewable needs And sponsors of the Donegal GAA Podcast oh, It's just fabulous to see him alive and up and picking her up The thing about the club is you don't choose your club <laughs> um, it's, it's like family. You want to get back out on the field. It's just uh, it's, it's in your blood, I suppose. And you just want to get out there now and get the games going again. Brian Murray, let me shake hands with you. You came in here hobbling. How are you feeling now? Oh, I'm alright. I'm alright. I tell you, what a couple of pints won't do. I'll tell you. You know. He gets a bit behind it. He launches it in. It's over the bar. The wee man from Chester. Hi there, welcome to the Donegal GAA podcast with Ocean FM. Paddy McGill here and... Connor Breslin. And it is the final show of 2022. Are you sad about that, Connor? Um, I suppose sad at the moment that the uh, football is over, but uh, in terms... I, I like the wind down at Christmas time, so I do uh, start to ease into the festive period. I know it's not for everyone, but uh, I can put the feet up for maybe a week or so and eat as much and drink as much as I like. So it's not 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 too bad. I won't complain too much about it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I've actually, the only thing I like about Christmas is the Christmas tree. I The last five years in a row, I haven't taken it down to Paddy's weekend. Uh, the wife calls me the Grinch at Christmas. So I'm going to try and be more upbeat. One man who's always upbeat and he never hibernates for Christmas. He winters well. Chris McNulty of the Donegal Democrat. Everybody knows Chris. Tell me, is this time of year, I know you're so busy yourself, Alan Foley, Frank Craig and every other journalist. Is there a wind down in your game, Chris? Yeah, well, if the Donegal County Board hadn't decided to sort of stretch the Under-21 Championship over what seems like a, an endless period of time, Paddy, it probably would be more of a wind-down than it is at the minute, all right? Yeah, and for people asking, this is a review of the season, and I got two messages. Why are you having a review of the season on the Under-21s? It's still going. I'm like, stop it. I'm just, I need a break. I will be divorced if I keep going with podcasts over Christmas. Yeah, like we'll talk about that in a minute. Stop, stop, stop. It's uh it's tough going. You're the uh Leonardo da Vinci of journalism, Chris, because you're in news and sport, but you will maybe get a, a week or two off uh, in around Christmas, a couple of days. Yeah, probably hope for a bit of time off, Paddy. It's been it's been kind of busy enough this year, you know, doing news and sport and sort of I suppose we're already looking out. It's kinda like, you know, the McKenna Cups just around the corner, Donegal. Kind of throwing in under a new regime now, so it'll you know won't be too long. That's all hands to the pump again. I mean, Christmas comes and goes, and all of a sudden, some fellas in the middle of the pitch throwing the ball up. The McKenna Cup's underway, and we're back on the roller coaster again. What about yourself, Paddy? Now coming into Christmas, I suppose the exams are coming to an end at at school time, and you'll get a good two week break yourself. Yeah, we just had actually our exams a couple of weeks ago. What's the plans now without the football? Or will you get time to assess the football season overall and look back on 2022 with much joy? How's the report card going so far on the 2022 GA calendar? Yeah, I don't look back a huge amount. I think the pandemic ended ended that, but it is a review show. I think we all got a second looking back, but... 
Doc, I said at the outset, I'm a bit of a Grinch, Connor. And normally in the report cards that you send back to the student, the, the rule of thumb is you have you start off with positives and your three or four, you know, I suppose positive comments, then you maybe the things to work on and that. But ah look, it'd be very disingenuous that you know, we'll blow our own trumpet here. Our listenership has gone way up this year, Connor, nearly nearly double from the previous years. And I think a lot of it is because of our brilliant guests like Chris, Alan, Frank, and just all the boys around nationally that come on. But I think one of them is we're never out to really, you know, destroy any team or any individual of that. And you want to see some podcasts and uh, people looking for maybe clicks in other counties. We don't do that. But at the same time, it would be very disingenuous to our large listenership if we were to say here that it was a good year. It wasn't. The county team's performances weren't good. It was tough. We love recording the podcast, Connor, but it is tough. And I listen to a lot of them cross-channel, different football clubs and that. When your team is losing consistently, it can be tough. It's it's easier sometimes maybe for the lads. I'm not saying it's easier on the national media. They can slate someone from another county or they can go to town on them. But in local, these are people you're meeting all the time and you don't mean to you know, go too hard on that. But it was a tough year for the county team. Um, that's number one, I suppose. Then the whole management debacle. We lost to our ma, or yeah, the 12th of June, and it was five, six weeks until we, you know, until Declan stepped down. And then we were waiting until late October for a manager. And I suppose there was no comments and there was a lot of secrecy. And it wasn't good. And unfortunately, that secrecy leads to a lot of speculation. And it was difficult because a lot of people were saying too well you're doing a podcast way you know find out who's the manager if you were to go with social media and the rumors and the anecdotes and all that it's just total lies most of it fake news and we even see it again in the past couple of weeks people saying there's 10 12 up to 15 players gone from the panel i mean if chris myself or you or alan or frank were to report everything we heard from social media i mean you'd be a laughing stock um so yeah, just on that front, maybe it's just we put it down as maybe a messy year. And ah, look, the club championship, I suppose, it's a pity for everybody involved in how the final went in terms of the sending off. These are the moments that stick out for me. That, and I actually, in a way, in a perverse way, think it was a little bit unfair on Neve Connell. Shane O'Donnell would have made a huge impact in the second half, but it was the talking point. And really, and I know I get slagged sometimes for maybe overpraising Neve Connell, but they, in a way, they wanted fair and square from their point of view. So it wasn't their fault Shane O'Donnell got sent off, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it was a little bit argy-bargy. Every team does that. But I think it was, they were going in half-time in a good position with a good, strong breeze behind them. So there was the negatives. There's a couple of positive convoys up and running, looking really good. But I look, I know, as I said, 10 times I'm the Grinch, but it was a disappointing year on a lot of fronts for me, Connor. And as I said, it'd be very unfair for listeners to say, to, to, to say any different. Chris, you've been on the beat a long time now, so you have. And I suppose in the past decade, we've had ups and downs, but more ups maybe, if anything. And when you look at 2022 and how drawn out it was, how do we assess it? It's been really a year like no other. Would you go along Paddy's route there? Or can you look more to the positive sides of it? Because I think... Uh, just going back over the research today, when we did our first podcast for 2022, it was after roughly, I think it was just after the Mayo game, Donegal game, the first league game. And from the outset, it set a bit of a negative tone. So it did. I I, I was on with Colin Keyes hosting it 
And we talked about maybe taking the captaincy off Michael Murphy and giving it to someone else for more responsibility. And it's bonkers when you think about that now, knowing what's come in the past few weeks with Murphy retiring. But how how do you assess 2022, Chris? I just found 2022 just to be sort of, it was just a real deflated kind of a thing. You know, you were coming in at various times, like, you know, even even that last league game, like that whole, the whole sort of handling at the end of the game with Armagh, but we, we came into the championship fairly positive. We're, I wouldn't say excellent, but the performance the first day of the championship against Armagh was as good as Donegal have been sort of for quite a while. I wouldn't say like it wasn't our best ever performance, but it was a performance we were thinking, right, okay, here we go. There's something here. Good over the line against Kevin. Then, like, even you look at that Ulster final, disappointing and all as that was, and you sort of can't turn this into a positive because how the game ended, but with less than 15 minutes to go in that game, don't we go two points up? And you think then, for the last sort of 12 minutes of normal time, plus the whole of extra time, our, our Derry out scored us by six points to two. And, you know, I suppose Donegal's tactics and approach and everything that day, that defeat or those sort of last 15 minutes of normal time in the Ulster final, I think kind of summed up 2022, where you were sort of, Risen to this point where you, you you were a wee bit scared to be too hopeful, but there was it, it was so obvious in front that you were thinking, right, geez, okay, this might something might happen here, and then bang, you just fall. You come in even like I don't think any of us seen the 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 hammering against Armagh or how that panned out, but even at that day at half time, you're sitting only four points down. John Patton being black carried, you were thinking to yourself, right, if we can get over the next sort of ten minutes, regroup and go. Armagh just blew Donegal out of the water. You're, you know, the, the same kind of thing applies in the club championship where you're waiting on these big games and you're waiting on these sort of exciting performances and exciting games. They don't happen. You kind of, you're on the way to getting one in the county final and then bang the whole sort of debacle at half time completely overshadows the whole entire championship, which, as Paddy said, I think it's probably a wee bit unfair, more than a wee bit unfair on Neve Connell, sort of the commentary. But then again, you know, the, the error was so seismic, it probably had to go there. You look then at the managerial appointment. I mean, that was, look, I mean, you don't want to, as Paddy said, like, you know, we're all local, but, you know, you have to call things for what they are sometime. It was a farce. It was an absolute, another farce. From, from the day and hour Declan Boner confirmed his retirement or his resignation to us in convoy till we got back into that same room, it was just, I mean, you know, the silence feeds this sort of thing where somebody in the street thinks he knows something, he repeats it to the shopkeeper, says it to the next customer, and all of a sudden it's fact. People come to us and are saying, oh, why aren't you reporting that? You know, people sort of accuse the media sometimes of of being this, that, or the other, but the reality is we can only report on, on sort of what we see as fact and what we're told, and, you know, there was nothing for about, what, three or four months, Paddy, and you're left then at that stage going, right, what's going on here? Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Paddy Kearney had no rookrooms then. Again, you're thinking, right, we'll get on with this now and everything's all right, hunky-dory. And Alan Foley's phone rings one Wednesday afternoon, Michael Murphy's retired, and you're just, I mean, you know, I think, like, everything in 2022 was just sort of that thing where it brought you to a point of kind of a little bit of hope and then boom, and, you know, here we are now at the end of the year, like, and, you know, as you alluded to there, Connor, you know, we're, you know, there was a suggestion last year, is Michael Murphy going to be the Donegal captain? And now here we are with endless speculation of who's even on the damn panel, never mind who's going to wear the armband. 
it's it's amazing i mean do we i mean when 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 i think patty carr was appointed as manager we said at least we have someone there and also with that change you said maybe murphy now with the age he's coming we'll get two years of him maybe at the edge of the square and we're going to see some crisp football from our inside forward line and we'll have love doesn't always look like that and there's spanners thrown in the works I, I i don't know chris maybe that's just a, a part of life and and we have to to move on from that but it was just kind of one problem after another but going back to the managerial appointment i mean did we ever get to the bottom of where this was coming from and this delay was coming from and why it was kept so secretive what the whole issue there was well i mean there was the there was the suggestion you know that the you know, because St. Unions were involved in the club championship, people saw Rory Kavanagh as being the sort of the, you know, the number one candidate or the leading candidate or whatever it was. And that made sense because, you know, Rory, as as the St. Unions manager, wanted, as any manager at that level, would you know, he'd want to focus on on that. The delay sort of made sense when, when that seemed to be the case, that sort of Rory was the heir apparent because, obviously, at the county championship, then the county championship was over and, you know, Rory disappears from from the headlines, and a few days later, like you know, from absolute nowhere, the you know the joint ticket of Paddy and Aidan O'Rourke comes up, and again, I think Paddy alluded to this in terms of the county final. Some of the commentary has been unfair then since on Paddy Carr and Aidan O'Rourke, but that has been fed by a lack of transparency, because had we known what was going on and the process, now, you know, we don't need to see transcripts of. The, the interviews with the candidates, but people do need to be aware of what's going on. Otherwise, it feeds into this thing where, you know, there's all sorts of commentary going on, and it's really, really unfair. You know, I mean, Paddy Carney and O'Rourke have turned up one day, and again, as I said, it just come out of nowhere. Is like, is there a sense? Or, is there a sense? Sorry, Chris. Is there a sense that it's because that the county board haven't had to do something like this before because there was always an heir apparent in Declan Boner, um, Rory Gallagher, Jim McGuinness. You know, you're probably going back to when John Joe Doherty was appointed the last person and he had, I suppose, competition going for that. So the fact that the county board had to go out and actually seek a manager, it's probably new territory to them. Is that fair enough to say or would that be maybe looking a bit too much into it? I think possibly because look, if you look, I mean, the Donegal County Board. I mean, they're look, they're a big business. They've got good people, good business people, successful people who are there. There's enough of nice there to do. Uh, you know, the process of appointing a new manager, while it can seem very cumbersome, it's when you pull the nuts and bolts off it. It's still a fairly straightforward process where people apply or people are nominated. You talk to them and you figure out who the best people are or who the likely candidates are. I just think the whole thing was complicated or it seemed to be more complicated than it probably was with just the lack of transparency. And I think people were entitled to question why the delay. We lost our ma in June. Declan Boner stepped down in July and yet we still had to wait until after the club championship to get a manager in place. And people are absolutely within their right to question why that was the case. Now, Again, all of that commentary was unfair on Paddy Carr because he's now the Donegal manager and he's got a job to do. His tenure kicks off in a, you know, a matter of short weeks. But the process from start to finish, you know, it was questionable. Let's 
sort of, you know, I think everybody can agree to that, that it was questionable just how it was handled and, and how we arrived or how we took sort of four months to arrive to the arrive to the conclusion that we did. Paddy, what's the case now? Is it a matter of we just have to get on with it and players just have to ride in behind it and... I mean, what what happens to does the manager need time? Because we saw at the uh, start of this season from the get go when things didn't go right, the knives and fairness were to a degree out for Declan. How does it go for Paddy now? Just the players buy into it? You know, I said it was uninspiring, and I got a few messages, emails saying not very fair. What I meant was, I suppose maybe I didn't articulate it properly. It was the lack of transparency that Chris said and loads of people were messaging why are you not talking to Kevin being the manager why are you not talking about Martin McHugh being the manager Martin McHugh was never going to be the Donegal manager like he he didn't want it um at all he, he just didn't, I would have loved it I would have loved Rory Kavanagh so yeah probably was a wee bit unfair a little bit unfair on Paddy Carr it's absolutely not Paddy Carr or Aidan Rook's fault it's the lack of transparency and I felt in a year or two um you need to connect but every county needs to be in unison. And you said there is a matter of getting on with it. I don't really, I know what you mean by that, but at the same time, I don't think anybody can tell other people, well, you have to be positive and you have to get on with it. I think if something's not right, it's just not right. And I, I thought it was poor too, because there was four or five weeks there, as Chris said, of absolutely nothing and not, you know, trying to avoid repetition of what Chris said, but it was just very frustrating and very unfair possibly on Paddy Carr then and Aidan Rourke because we thought maybe McGuinness is coming back we thought Martin McHugh we thought Rory Cavanagh and this was maybe though inspiring maybe a better word we were very very surprised so we don't know we're going to maybe find out in a couple of weeks time who's available and who's not I, I don't think like this those couple of, I don't even I probably shouldn't even give this airtime. Uh, the whatsapp's going around that you know so-and-so didn't know so-and-so and I, you know, I do have it from a good source a lot of that is absolute and utter rubbish so look I think social media can be a good thing and a positive thing but it can also be an absolute stain on society as well when you're trying to maybe do proper broadcasting or proper journalism but uh, that's really Chris has Chris really nailed it there to be honest with you and it was it was it was difficult and not handled very well Connor absolutely no point in saying any, any, anything else but I think, Paddy, like, like you touched on something there, like, like the social media thing, and you know, Connor, you were saying like about you know, you know, does the new guy need time now? Does does this new regime need time? The modern world doesn't give people time. Much and all, as we would love to say, let's give this guy time and let's because people will make their determination. If Donegal go out in their first national league game of twenty twenty three and beat somebody by seven points, all of a sudden we're going to win the All Ireland. If we lose by a few points. Oh, this is terrible. This is a bad appointment. You know, pe people don't have context anymore. People just go to this extreme or that extreme. There's absolutely no sort of consideration that, right, this is new. We're missing the best player that's ever played for the county. I mean, that in itself is a step, regardless of who was in the damn dugout. That, that in itself is a massive, massive thing that Donegal football won't just sort of blink and get over. There's, there's a huge, huge thing where the absence of Michael Murphy from the thing, regardless of who's leading the ship, has to be navigated. Now, there's the other thing, and the other question I, I would have for people was, right, Paddy Kerr deserves time, absolutely. Why then, as part of his sort of contract or as part of agreement, give him a one uh, a review after one year? 
you know, you review the guy after one year again, when he's absolutely now, there's no question Donegal are in some kind of a transitionary period. Transition into where, who knows? Because again, the transition now is so vast. But to sit down now at, at maybe June, July, August next year and review something, I mean, you know, uh, that sort of sounds like I have a real serious negative sort of approach mm-hmm. on how next season is going. But look, you have to be realistic. You know, you really have to be realistic. Donegal are operating in Division 1. It's unforgiven. Donegal in the Ulster Championship, it's probably more unforgiven. So to say then that you're going to review the guy after one year, I think that was very unfair because that almost sort of tells Paddy, actually, lad, you don't have time here. You absolutely don't have time and you must succeed because, you know, we'll be back. Like, you know, you talk about those sort of student report cards and is it going to be acceptable if, you know, you just throw Paddy a thing, you know, and say, you know, could do better. Football supporters of the modern era don't kind of, they don't just don't work like that. So, you know, I, I would kind of worry for the, the the management. I think that was sort of very unfair. You know, I think maybe sort of should have been given like a, you know, the review. I know people sort of throw back and say everything's reviewed after every year now. But I, I think just the way that was sort of publicized seemed a wee bit kind of, it was something that jumped out immediately at everybody going, whoa, review after one year? Hang on a minute. You know what I mean? It just, it didn't for me sell confidence you know it didn't say right yeah we're going to back these people we are absolutely going to give them the 110 percent backing because these are the people that lead to legal football all of a sudden they were saying after taking four months to appoint us actually lads you know what we'll see you in about eight months time and we'll sort of see how you're getting on here it's um again i think it was grossly unfair and and they have a huge step now in uh, appointing their skipper getting their new captain involved. It almost seemed, I don't know, Chris, but it it seemed like a stopgap, almost kind of like, well, we can't get anyone. We have a bit of egg in our face. Let's get someone. And then someone that's kind of tied to Donegal in Paddy Carr. And then after this season, we can review him and probably get the man we want in, whether that be Roy Kavanagh or Carly C or whoever we want to talk about. That That's kind of what it, really looks like at the moment and i also see criticism now given towards his backroom team like i it's probably finalized at this stage but as soon as the first two people were announced and bernard jackman and um uh it was bernard jackman and patty uh patty bradley you know people were immediately on going well why isn't he appointing the donegal person so there seems to be constant criticism thrown his way and as we said, probably the greatest player to ever wear Donegal jersey is gone, and he has the biggest job of appointing a captain, whoever that may be. Yeah, and I, and I think then you see when when you look at something and, and the departure of Michael and you know the sort of timing of it, it, you know you get all sorts of conspiracy theorists then, and they come up with things. And again, you know Michael and his piece with Alan Foley was at pains to sort of put this to bed. But again, that doesn't matter when people are, you know, people have their own opinion. And people want to peddle that opinion, whatever that may be, they're going to throw it out there. Look, the job is huge here. And I think what, what this regime need or needed in recent weeks was to make, you know, I mean, Paddy Bradley is is a absolute sort of icon of dairy football, but he needed or he still needs that figure from Donegal that people will go right that they'll almost back that person. I'm not saying that the people of Donegal aren't backing Paddy Carr, but I think people sort of want the hero to hang their hat on, you know, 
be that the Carl Lacey figure, be that the Rory, you know, I'm not saying those individuals in particular, but th that type of an appointment where someone go, all right, he's involved, right, this is good now. But yet in recent weeks, we've seen, you know, Mark McHugh's gone and got involved with Ross Common, Colin McFadden, who mercifully is still involved with the Donegal Under-21s, he's gone Sligo. to Sligo. And people are kind of going, Jesus, like we need a, you know, we need a Donegal person. You know, Paddy Carr, of course, is, you know, very proud Donegal man. There's no, there's absolutely no question in that. But I think people do kind of just want that connect because it, it was one thing actually Declan Bonner, I think, had really, really well. There was a lot of criticism level to him. Declan Bonner's passion and sort of, he still had that connect with a large swath of people. And, you know, what he'd given Donegal over 30, 40 years was, was unquestionable. You even look at, you know, those previous regimes that went before him, there was just still that connect. And I think now people, and, and Murphy, of course, like everybody in Donegal knew Michael Murphy. You know, I tell the story, whatever it was, two weeks ago when Michael, you know, retired, my mother, who, who wouldn't be sort of your... A huge football fan, particularly as God is not wild about Michael Murphy, and she talks about it as, as as if it's like the wee boy up the street. My point being, everybody in Donegal connected with Michael Murphy. Every single person knew him. You know, they already felt that they knew him, but now that's gone. Patrick McBride is the only player now left from 2012. Only player left from 2012. There isn't sort of that figure now that people just sort of reach out even you know neil mcgee's departure as well from the dressing room like that personality that's just walked out the door you know but donegal have lost with murphy and mcgee is more than football ability they've just lost absolute presence in the dressing room leaders i mean neil Gallagher sort of touched on it last week in an interview i think it was with with frank craig about how murphy just every night no matter what he was doing he brought his best so that just sort of, without Michael speaking, that demanded everybody else to do the same. McGee was cut from the same cloth, of course, and they were absolute colossus of footballers. You lose that, you got to replace that. you got to look now for a captain. And, I mean, the captain who replaces Michael Murphy, I mean, you, you can't compare that. The, you know, I think now sort of Donegal nearly need to look in a new direction in terms of who will be the captain. And they have to choose it very, very carefully now because of, you know, you're you're following just an absolute legend. You're following a person who is probably the best footballer to ever lace a pair of boots in this county, let alone the sort of the personality he had and how he carried it and how good an ambassador and all that he was. That's now what somebody's following. I mean, those are huge boots to fill. I remember a day when I started off in journalism in Donegal. The Donegal captaincy was a weight on people's shoulders. I've seen good players in their year as captain sort of absolutely buckle. I remember actually speaking to a player about this and he said it was the biggest honour that he got to be made captain at Donegal. But when the year was over and he wasn't captain anymore, he said it was almost the biggest relief because it was that, you know, it was that sort of important and weighed on people. So, you know, that's that's something Paddy and Aidan and, and Paddy Bradley are, you know, they're going to have to consider really, really in-depth you know, who's the right fit and who can handle it. Just final point on that, and then we'll move on. I I think as much as we, you know, we're, we're obviously upset. Any GA fan in Donegal would be upset at Michael Murphy's retirement. But to just look back and really treasure 
what we had for you know 15 16 17 years in michael murphy in that you know i was probably only growing up when we saw the the great man united and arsenal teams and and you know the great players that were produced out there but to you know to have someone like that from our county like i don't know if you would agree or disagree with me if we'll ever see a player like him playing for donegal again i mean he was probably a player that we were so lucky to have from our county that would have walked into any team in any era and probably dominated. I mean, I don't know of any other player over the past 10 years that when Donegal were coming to their town that they feared more, revered more, players respected, and there's probably no other player in that time you would have wanted on your team leading you than Michael Murphy. And it just seems now that when we talk about McGee and all these great players from 2012 and we were just riding that ride and now, you know, the roller coaster's over. I mean, it, it really is, you know, a, a really special time, you know, I mean, and Chris, you were there for, for the majority of it and Paddy, you as well. Yeah, he was the, the king of the jungle, as Chris said. He was the he was the alpha male. And you must remember, great point Chris made about the captaincy weighing it down. I met a Galway Okay, when I lived there for 10, 11 years, and he said it was tough, tough, tough gig to have. Because he says, you have the top boys coming in from each club, and there's ego. You need an ego to get out of bed in the morning. Right? He always says that, yeah, you have to have an ego. But you're dealing with, it's like an international football team. That's why they struggle with bonding, weighing trips and that. Murphy was more than just a very good player. That's all been said now. We know that. The only thing I will say is... Michael Murphy could have a huge, huge influence in Donegal football over the next 20 years. Like, I think I will actually come out with a positive. Everybody's maybe given out about the death of maybe coaches in Donegal because they didn't want to come this year. The only thing I will say, and Chris has touched on it, we talk about Mark McHugh, we talk about Colin McFadden, talk about Leo McLean with the 20s, Luke Barrett's doing a good job at the minors, Rory Kavanagh, I think might have aspirations of managing Donegal in the next couple of years. Carl Lacey's with the academy. Michael Murphy now, you know, stationed there in a brilliant institution in Letterkenny. We have brilliant, I'm not saying they're brilliant coaches, managers yet, all of them, but they're definitely all doing their apprenticeship to that. They're all the, most of them are the the class of 2012, whatever age they were in that, Eamon McGee's with the 20s. So I wouldn't be too negative on terms of the next three, four or five years. The likelihood is, and Alan Foley and myself said it, and Chris would know all about athletics, Ireland never, and it's unlikely, they're going to produce somebody as good as Sonia O'Sullivan. Okay, it might take a couple of decades. We've never really replaced Roy Keane at international level. These people do not grow on trees. But with the academy, with good coaching, with good structures, all of that being in place, maybe in five, six years, Michael Murphy was a 10 out of 10. Maybe we'll have way more 8s, 9s out of 10. Does that make sense? Curriffin one, you know... Four All-Ireland club titles in the past 10 years. They didn't really have one player. I mean, they won a Connacht one year without Ian Burke. They won another one without Michael Lundy. Gary Sice was a good player. The current Kilku team, they have a very good team. They don't have any one player. They're all very good players. That's my point. Maybe we'll never get another Michael Murphy. Ostensibly, we won't. But perhaps with Carl Lacey there, with Murphy, and the aforementioned lads that we mentioned, two, three, four, four years maybe the future of Donegal football will be very bright. I don't know if Chris goes along with that. I think the one thing I would... I agree with you absolutely, and I know from talking to some of the people that have worked and seen the academy work 
firsthand. They say it's absolute and utter. It's almost a professional environment, which can only be good for young lads who are coming in. At a young, you know, people have all sorts of opinions about young lads coming in, but I think you know, if you're coming in there to something that's run by Karen Lacey at at 14 years of age, that can't be seen as a bad thing. It absolutely cannot because they're being taught everything in terms of how to live their lives as footballers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Those fellas that that Paddy mentioned there, I mean, the right cons of Donegal football, they get respect absolutely immediately. They speak in a room, the room falls silent. They, they listen to them. The only thing I would say is Don, the Donegal support must now temper their expectations accordingly. I mean, I watched Donegal for about 25 years. or for Well, sorry, for 20 years, between 92 and, to, you know, 2012. 2002 was 10 years from the All-Ireland in 92. We got to an All-Ireland quarter-final, drew with Dublin, infamously lost the replay. That was seen as a brilliant year because we'd got to Crow Park. We'd got a day out. 2003 started terribly, lost to Fermanagh, ended up then rolling into the All-Ireland semi-final. You know, you think back to those journeys and the good days out, you won absolutely nothing. But you still had good days out. You were competing without sort of being... You still weren't seen as probably one of the top table teams. But you were okay. There was a bit of a lull then for a couple of years. We got back then uh, on the horse. Brian McIver had a sort of one in the you know Division 1. Championships didn't go according to plan. And then McGuinness comes in and just takes it into a complete new, stra- new stratosphere altogether where we're demanding that we win things. You know, we got to the Ulster final this year, probably made a mess of it and lost it. But my point is, in a not too distant past, that would have been seen as a decent year because you had got to the Ulster final. You had retained your Division One status. Now, at the same time, of course, you got to want to win the damned Ulster Championship. But at the same time, you have to sort of really take stock now of where we're at. We actually don't really know because we've been... Blessed they have a player like Murphy. I mean, I said this a couple of weeks back to somebody, you know, they're saying, how do you think Paddy Carr is going to go? And I said, look, you know, the draw is the draw. The draw has been okay to us, and we still have Murphy. And the point was, on his day, he's as good as anything. Now you're thinking, Jesus, I need to rethink here. And you just do not know because we've always had him. He's been injured a couple of, you know, he's never sort of missed a big swath of a season or he's never, you know, he's had his injury trouble, all right, but you were always kind of reconciled with the fact that I know Michael will be able to do 10 minutes here or you come in there, he'll be okay. You don't have that now, so I think we sort of have to give it a blank canvas and really, really cool the expectations a little bit. And have we always had that, like, that probably over-expectation that were seriously carried into uh, 2022? Like, I remember when we won the Ulster in 2011 and you know, it was like we won the All-Ireland, but if you look at maybe when we won the Ulster in 2018 and 19 and the homecomings back in Donegal Town, I don't know, maybe it's just me and maybe I have a bit of a selected memory on this issue, but I thought they were pale images of what we saw in 2011. And that's because 2018, 2019 and since then, it's not about winning Ulster titles. You know, we want more, we want more, we want more. Would would that be fair to say, lads, or am I, you know, oh, is I that a little bit harsh? I think that's absolutely 100%. And it, it sort of, Donegal fans were spoiled for 10 years. 
it was just one hell yeah like you know we'd never seen success like it i mean you know we were just winning and we were competing so park was like a second home for for many years there Declan Bonner won two Ulster championships, and there's many people like there were people who nearly hounded the guy out of the job. Yeah, and he took them. He got you know, and all right, and, and in fairness, you know, uh, you know, there was a, I suppose the fair commentary on it would say, you know, Donegal could have done more in recent years. That's absolutely right, but I mean, at the end of the day, the guy won two Ulster titles. You know what I mean? Rory Gallagher was within a kick of a ball, a couple of times from doing the same. And there's people who look back with uh, at his tenure as if it was an absolute catastrophe. You know, that it wasn't. And that sort of goes back to my previous point about a little bit of context sometimes is needed when you're analysing these things. I mean, Jim McGuinness left titles behind him as well, left an All-Ireland behind him in 2014. But because of that sort of just the unbelievable success that he had, that's maybe a little bit forgotten. And he, you know, I'm not, sort of trying to sort of take down with Jim McGuinness here. But the point is people just got unrealistic expectations all of a sudden and demanded, even though us with our paltry two All Irelands ever, that you know, Jesus, we need to be going to win the All Ireland every year here. You know, Ulster just became not enough. It was it, it was sort of like, you know, you you hear about these people and you know, they become addicts at the low level and it just rises, rises, rises. And that's it, it's the same principle where we won Ulster in twenty eleven. First time since 92, and it was absolutely unbelievable. 2012, then we go and win. You could see with the atmosphere, or not with the sort of whole occasion of the homecoming, it went down every year that we were winning Ulster because it just didn't mean as much to people. People didn't value it as much. And I think now probably, you know, everybody just needs to take a wee bit of stock. Chris is right. Chris is right. Though there's this insatiable desire now for success from sports fans, and I think we the near whole co- our concentration spans in anything now. It's it's sport now has completely become a microcosm of this insatiable desire for it has to be instant. You know, people can barely sit down now and watch a ninety minute football game. They need they need highlights. They need everything has to be instant. It's totally amplified by social media. Chris. That's interesting, even the Rory one. You're spot on. Like, Rory Gallagher got hounded. There is not a player, and you do hear, lads, you do hear from former players. We have them on the podcast, a lot of them. They say Rory Gallagher, as a coach and as a manager, was unbelievable. I have not met, met Paddy McGrath in our drama, and Paddy has told me at, at weddings in the past couple of years, you casually, and he won't mind me saying it, he says Rory Gallagher was unbelievable. At what he did, and you know, we, I think we kicked about eighteen wides against Monaghan in fifteen. We lost the game, and we had that dubious one on McBurdy. But the margins are so thin. They talk about Messi not winning a World Cup. He puts one on a plate for Higuain in two thousand and fourteen. He scores, and all of a sudden, he talk, he he then gets put into this category where he's on the undisputed goat. It's rubbish. It's nonsense. It's like if he wins the World Cup this year, and I'm digressing, doesn't automatically mean he's the absolute greatest of all time. Likewise, Ronaldo. You know what I mean? There's more new. There's there's a lack of nuance, I think, nowadays in anything. It's so binary. It's it's just gone the binary. It's just on a different level. Yeah, but that's the thing now. Where the you know the modern sports fan to throw that as a generalization. If if a boss kicked in now and the full forward ones it and he turns and he hoofs it under the roof of the net, regardless who that fullback is, somebody somewhere, somebody somewhere, and it'll be multiples of people. Fullback's terrible. Sure, of course he was going to win that. What fullback's terrible. Next ball comes in, you know, maybe at the start of the second half. 
And he kind of said, geez, that full 40, he's lost, he's lost it. He's, like, he's finished. You know what I mean? People people don't have any sort of... It has to be way at one side of the scale or the other. There's no kind of thinking, all right, he's just won a 50-50 ball and put it in the back of the net, fair play to him. There's absolutely, you know, it's, it, it has to be, he's either the greatest thing ever or he's finished. There's yeah. just no in between. And it's the same thing now when people are determining in the month of January or February, how good Donegal are going to be in 23. I just, I often laugh at that, you know, where you'll, you know, you'll pop in for a pint on a Sunday night and somebody go, I don't got finished. You're thinking, right, okay, you know, we've just, you know, won eight, seven on a absolute bitch of a day in January, but yet, you know, here we are, you know, making some kind of a, you know, proclamation for the, for the next generation here. Like, yeah, you're, you're, a, you're a hundred, uh, what was another one? Stephen Rochford said, I fella. Managing Mayo, total, total failure. They've got two own goals in the bloody All Ireland final. Like he's got a statue in every town of Mayo. He is in the annals of Mayo GA history. He's the king of Mayo, and the margins are 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 so bloody tight, lads. We need to really move on. That was supposed to be a Connor. That was supposed to be a ten minute job, and we ended up completely digressing. Chris, Senior Club Championship, we're going to run, skip through the whole lot. We've got 10, 12 minutes left. Senior Club Championship, Neve O'Connell, Dogs of War, unbelievable. Me being the, the Egypt that I am, first year I backed against them, they go win it. Um, okay, they didn't get their Ulster accolades, but incredible, Chris. Yeah, look, uh, you know, I've said this and I probably can jump on a high horse because uh, uh, in actual fact, I have to say, I, I backed them just to be a wee bit contrary on it, but, you know, I didn't back them without some kind of justification. I mean, I remember writing, I think it was after they won their quarter final, you know, dare anyone back against them? Because they're just, you know, you said it there, Paddy, they're just dogs of war. They just don't know when they're beaten. And they are most dangerous when they have a chip on their shoulder. And by God, they had a chip on their shoulder this year. Just because of how they performed themselves last year, they, you know, the com- the running commentary about them sort of being finished, their age, they, everything else, all of that fed. But again, you look at what Martin Regan has done with them. It's absolutely incredible. And, you know, for, for me, the guy doesn't get half enough of credit. The success he's had to keep them coming year on year and be competitive in that, you know, because the Donegal Championship, the same teams don't keep coming back and winning. But, you know, you go back to 2005 and look at what they have done as a club. It's, it's absolutely remarkable. And, it's probably the one black spot for me this year is that they didn't get that credit because of how the final went. But I, I think you really, really have to credit Martin Regan and the players, you know, for, for going to the well again and pulling it out of the fire. Like, they weren't without their problems this year. You know, if you think about the players that they have lost, they did it this year without Owen McGettigan, marquee forward. Look at the likes of Kieran Brennan that they've lost. You know, other players that have sort of stepped back into, into the reserve team. You know, people kind of forget that when they're sort of analysing Neve Connell as, as this team. Like, they, you know, they haven't been without the problems to deal with as well. And they've come back and they've won it, you know, for me so impressively this year. And it was just a wee bit disappointing that they didn't get that run in Ulster because I felt the longer they would have went in Ulster, the more dangerous they would have become. Um, but you know, they'll still look back and this has been a superb year just to get their name back in that roster again, back in the top of that top of that thing. Probably the, you know, I think that was just really, you know, their ultimate this year wasn't about anything beyond Donegal. Or, you know, I don't think it was anyway. I think, you know, they just sort of had to make a point really, didn't they? 
Yeah, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Very unfortunate in Ulster. I think if they did go over that first game, they're missing Brendan Thompson, a couple of more lads out, and as you said, Owen McGettigan out long term. Come on, he's a county forward. Dunlow back, uh, back in the big time. Chris, very impressive year, and Chris, we've seen so many times in the past couple of years. We see it in other counties coming down. It's bloody hard to get back up. I think some people might say, "Well, Dunlow was senior." club a couple of years ago they'll get back up again going back to Galway they, teams go down they can stay down for an eternity yeah because like you look at that intermediate championship I mean look at how Clohanili were an established division one club for so long you know they lost finals they lost semi-finals and they, they kept having to come back and people then sort of automatically assume oh, they'd be grand next year you know even Dunlow this year they lost the final last year to Clohanili as it happens after replay you know, Dunlow didn't get it easy this year. They really had to fight for it. There's so many teams. I think if you look, Paddy, at, at the the sort of the lower or the bottom teams, call it what you will in the senior championship, and those, say, the top four, top six in the intermediate, you can throw a blanket over them. I think there's a lot of teams in that first five or six of the intermediate who would be quite at home in the senior championship. They'd be quite fine. You know, they would survive without... You know, they wouldn't be pummeled. And again, you look at Dunlow were coming up. Dunlow should be okay in the senior. You know, they've they've done unbelievably to regroup, Paddy, because your point's absolutely right. Sometimes when team goes down, it takes them a while to find themselves. Or worse still, they can keep sliding. Because once you start sliding, I mean, you look at, say, Bunkrana, who found themselves in the junior championship a couple of years ago. You know, it, it, the margins sometimes are so thin when you're on the wane. You know, it takes serious effort. They halt that slide. And, you know, Desi Gallard on that brilliantly over the last couple of years. And, it, you know, great, great times out of it this year. We'll go back next year. But to me, Paddy, actually, I don't know what you think. For me, the Intermediate Championship is almost a better watch because it's there's more unpredictability about it. 100 percent and I know it's all not Satan and it's us lads that have labelled it the big four the big four and Donegal but it's got a little bit mundane I think even at the start Connor doing the podcast at the start of the year you're kind of talking this kind of same rhetoric every single year no but you are there's kind of it gets very stagnant I'm not complaining but the intermediate like you had that story of Arua for how did I not mention them? They were down in roughly a decade, 9, 10, 11 years, roughly. Remember Sylvester Maguire saying, told me years ago to meet him, they said after a year or two, she'll be up in a year or two, and he says, there they are down. But that was a huge story. Irua, that was a brilliant theme. Clonely, similar theme. They, losing big, big, big games. You don't really have those, you don't have, and I feel, as many running themes at the senior grade. And Dunlow coming down, I'll put the hand up. I didn't think they would come back so quick. Neve Columba is probably the latest one, Chris. We've seen, you know, they're they're kind of the one where they had lost so many finals in the 90s. They were a great story this year, Chris. And they didn't show up on the final. Dunlow were very good. But I haven't covered as much intermediate this year. But the previous three years, I have covered a huge amount. And I'll be completely honest, Chris. I've Alan and I have spoke about this before. 100% agree with you. Intermediate, I love covering it. And Chris, there's that. It's like the championship in England, the most expensive game in club football. But it's not like that, obviously, in local GA. But it's it's an incredible day out the intermediate final. So it's that carrot of getting into the senior grade. Yeah, I, I just find covering the senior championship at the moment, Paddy, is for, you, you find yourselves in those early, the group stages, you, you, you nearly feel when you're talking about like you're patronising some clubs. 
you know, and there's so many mismatches and you have to go through so much just, and all of a sudden we still have two of the big three or the big four, still they will stand regardless of what format we do. I mean, if we start drawing lots, I still think you're going to end up with two of those teams are going to play in the final. I, I think the group stage hasn't probably done the appeal of the senior championship much good. There seems to be so many, like, I don't know if you call them dead rubbers, but it just seems to be so many games that you go to that there's absolutely nothing riding on. That shouldn't be the way in championship football. And I think the group stages in the intermediate, there's a few, there are fewer teams in the intermediate championship as well, which I think contributes to that, where there's something riding. And remember, if you get off to a bad start in the intermediate championship, you could find yourself in a playoff to go to the junior championship. God, you don't want to be doing that. You know what I mean? I think there's something riding on more games in the intermediate, and that sort of lends itself a wee bit. And then they get into the knockout phase. They're a little bit better matched. Because I just find sometimes you go to some senior football championship games and you're thinking, Christ, this is championship football, really? You know, I, I actually went to games this year and actually thought, this bears no resemblance to championship football. It, it even even in the knockout stage, Chris, you could, you could go beyond that. I mean, if you look at some of the quarterfinals this year, I mean... You're, you know, not to pull any team out or to insult anyone, but, you know, again, even in the quarterfinals, a lot of them were dead rubbers and you're going almost with the hope of Lady Luck that it could be this team's day. But then, you know, it just doesn't work out that day and Kilkar ends up winning by seven points. St. Unans ends up winning by 12 points, whatever the case may be. Like, I know we were on the podcast last year, Paddy, I think, uh, with Frank and Alan, and we, or it might have been Frank and Ryan, and we spoke about, you know, could there possibly be a competition in between senior and intermediate, just so them teams that are struggling down at the bottom, you know, living in the hope of maybe winning a trophy or something like that, because, you know, even in my home club, you know, they've been suffering around there at the bottom of the senior championship for many years, and you know, they somehow miraculously stay in it every year. They they come good in the end. And then you talk about, well, what's the ambition for next year? It's the exact same thing. It's to stay up. It's to survive. You know, it's it's not about winning championships. And there's only so many times you can go to the well and do that and say, you know, well, I'm not winning anything here. And that's kind of the depressing part. But that's what it is for eight teams in the senior championship. Yeah, I, I still think there's merit and, you know, I, I don't know, I, I appear to be a lone voice in this in terms of, you know, the, if you think about the people who make these decisions, I still think there's serious merit in doing like an open draw and go back to the two-legged thing where the draw is random and you can get Connor, for instance, a four masters then get to the fight, you know, I think it lends itself better to, you know, better stories and better excitement and better you know, when people might say then, and we've had the lopsided finals in Donegal in the past, but to me that those championships as a whole, whatever with those finals, but they were better championships than, than these ones we're having now, where you're getting the same teams coming to, you know, I, I don't want to use the word boring because that would be unfair and everybody involved, but it, for me, this format, it, there's a stale kind of a feeling with it, and I think just, you look, they do it in Tyrone, you know, they do two teams meet, it's head-on, it's absolute do-or-die, sink or swim. Those games, when there's something, the absolute championship lives depend on it. They lend itself to bigger crowds, better interest. You know, then for us, there's there's just more excitement on them where you're going to some group stage games and you're trying to figure out, like, oh, this is to finish seventh and this is to finish 
It, is it crystal that the the system of the championship is stale, or is it that the teams are widening and just the whatever you want to call them, the top four, which I don't like calling them, uh, puts them on a pedestal. Uh, but is it that they're just getting better and the teams below them are getting worse, or is it the actual format of the system? I mean, look it back to twenty twenty two and just think about some of the championship games. I mean, some of them were dreadful. You know, let's call a spade a spade and how the and how the football was played. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I, I just I just give a quick example. I think it was in the league that uh, I think it might have been Alan that pointed out that you know if you look at Glen Finn and they were actually very unfortunate in how it turned out for them in the championship. But he says if you looked at Glen Finn in the league, the way they played football. They would always go out and give it a go. And I think Alan used an example that he went to cover a St. Eunan's Area Bally Shannon game one day. And he says the entire 15 of Area Bally Shannon were in their own half, and the entire 15 of St. Eunan's were in their own half. And you had one manager shouting, draw them out, draw them out. And then the opposing manager saying, stay in, stay in. And that's just the dreadful football we've had to endure, really, you know. Yeah, I, I do think, though, that if, if we went to some kind of form, maybe not straight knockout, but we go the two legs, completely open draw. I think, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of teams there. I just I just think the format at the moment, we're, we're always going to end up with these, you know, the big... But for instance, now, if if we did a straight knockout, open draw, there is the possibility that, for example, St. Jones could draw Kilkiar and, you know, one of them are gone. Neve Connell, Draghi Doer, one of them are got. You know, I, I just think then, you know, with the 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 way this is now, where those teams are always going to be the upper teams in in terms of any kind of a you know a league structure. Luck of the draw does play a huge part still in terms of fixtures, but I just feel that we have to get through an awful lot of noise before we get to sort of a bit of clarity. Um, and I think the system does feed that type of football that you're saying, Connor. I, I think it. You know, I just wonder sometimes what people are thinking in terms of, like, for somebody, to, I would love just somebody to sit me down and say, right, here is why this group stage works and this is why it's a brilliant idea because I just don't see it. I think it's reflected in crowds, it's reflected in, you know, just in terms of the overall feel of the thing. And, and yeah. brings really, Paddy brings very little talking points. I mean, I'm trying to think, and I was just looking back over my notes. If you want to look at the 2022 club championship and pick out many key moments of that, what are we picking out? We're going immediately to the final and we're picking out the uh, the sending off. Just on Chris's point there, good point about going back to the two legs. What that would do, and it's only one suggestion, we will do another podcast in 2023 on the structure, maybe at the start of the year. He mentioned Tyrone. Interesting. What that does in Tyrone, people say, well, they're training all year for one game, maybe two, whatever. Their league has way more weight because of that. And I felt, and I was talking to older lads in our draft 20, 25 years ago in Donegal, there was way more weight in the league. And you must also remember, the league the league should have more weight because it's been played over such a, a longer period of time. And... People will say, well, there's four, you get four matches, it's more money, it's more gates. This is why it's put in place. But as Chris said, is it working? No. I my first four of the first five commentaries this year, the game was over after seven, eight minutes. And you're literally going on flash score talking about United and Arsenal, or you're talking about golf or rugby. And I'm not 
you know, when you are talking, because it is the same conversation all the time. It's St. Eulens winning by 587 points and Shane O'Donnell's kicked seven and Kieran Moore's come off the bench and he's kicked 418 and you know what I mean? It's 567 then scored. It's kind of honesty. It is literally, it's literally rinse and repeat. Or, so, or the or the opposite, Paddy, where you go and call a commentary game on a championship match and it's two points to one at half time and you actually have would, nothing to talk about. I would take I would take it every day of the week. And I, I listen, <laughs> I've always been of the thing. No, teams can play whatever way they want, and I don't really. Um, that's a game for another day, and I, I I think teams can play whatever way they want. But look, that's my that, that's my views on it, and it's, it's one for another day. Um, definitely one we we will revisit. Uh, I think it needs to be looked at. Yeah, definitely. Chris, letter Kenny Gales quickly, just brilliant this year. Yeah, after knocking on the door so long, and you're kind of wondering where they're going to be, that sort of, you know, the need of Columbia that they just weren't going to get over the line. But they came this year, you know, I spoke to Conor McBurdy on this actually a couple of weeks ago after after they had, they had done it. They just simply had to get over the line in terms of everything they're doing as a club and everything they're doing as a team, you know. And Look, it wasn't hard, like, after losing last year, like, I'm sure there was a, a long winter down there and, you know, fair play to the two boys, Dougie and, and Paul Malaf, for for getting that together again and getting the boys to buy in again because, you know yourself, lads, if, if you're committing to something for so long and it's, you're not getting the result, but they came in this year and they got over the line and I think for a club, like I've said this in, in different fora over the last few weeks, Letter Kenny Gales given their population and, you know, given everything else that they're growing, they got to start aiming again. they got to start aiming again. You know, I'm not saying for this time next year to be getting out intermediate, but there has to be some kind of a plan there over the next five years to at least be knocking on the door into senior football. Because, you know, you look at their underage structure, you look at their facilities, you look at everything they have now, it's only going in one direction and that's up. And, you know, on the field now, they have to keep, Keep that going again. It's a great story, you know. A young club that born out of nothing and, and come in and look, people say they're in a big town, but that doesn't make it any easier for them, you know, because they've, they've still had to put in the hard work. And you know, I have to say they they deserved it. Like I know you can probably say that of every team that wins something, but but they really they were a great story and kind of that bounce back ability thing where you know they took the knock on the chin, put the heads down, you know, and and learned. I think they learned a lot from the last couple of years and. You could see that and how they got over the line this year that everything was in the pot and you know it came it came right on the on the big day for them. Harold John Harn, I think, once described them as as the noisy neighbours or I don't think was that his line or was it Alex Ferguson talking about, about Man City? But nah, great year for them. Chris, the Donegal ladies, semi final of the All Ireland, league final, finish up with Neve McLaughlin winning player of the year. Like, well, first of all, Neve's accolade, we'll maybe get to that in a second. Unbelievable. I've, well, my own ignorance because of the men's game and I can't be away all the time, I've kind of only really started immersing myself and getting to actually commentating Donegal Ladies games in the past two years. Two big outings in Crow Park this year. I, I know disappointment in the end on the playing field, but over these months, the positive year overall, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, it goes back to that thing of you put the whole year into, they've got to the first, you know, Division One final in Croke Park. They've given me through the Real Ireland champions an absolute rattle. And probably the fact that they left that league final with regret 
was in itself a positive in a, in a weird kind of a way because it showed them how close they were. It showed them they no longer have that inferiority complex of just turning up and patting themselves in the back. Like They were seriously hurt to lose that game. It gave them a massive kick going into the championship. You know, again, could have got over the line in that All-Ireland semi-final, you know, but they've, they've taken big scalps along the way now. And, Matt, you know, you have to hand it to Maxi because yeah. I would have felt in the last couple of years, Paddy, that, geez, this team's maybe coming. You look at the mileage that's on some of the clocks, but you look you look at the performance of this year and, you know, Maxi and the gears all back and board again, or most of them are back and board. It's a long way, though, to get back to there again. But they have, you know, they've done serious, serious work in, in ladies football in, in terms of in terms of that senior team, Paddy. It cannot be underestimated because the further you go up that ladder, the margins are massive. Like the climb from, say, being number 20 to number 10, you can make that fairly rapidly, 10 to 5 then. But those margins then, and uh, when it gets to that, you know, they seem so thin by a point or two. But to close those gaps, I mean, it's massive work that that they've done and Donegal now. And I think it, that was probably borne out by Neve getting the Player of the Year award. That's actually voted to by her peers, by other players, by opponents. That's a seriously earned reward. When you can look at the mantelpiece, but you know what? Some fella, some journalists didn't feel sorry for me. They didn't give me a vote. That's actually people that I've played against that said, "Yeah, you were the best player." Countless of them done. The votes are totted. Nobody can argue with that. That's uh, you know, and and to be recognised as that, uh, you know, Neve again, like we talked about, Michael Murphy leading the kid, you know, the the men's team. Neve Neve's an exceptional captain. Um, you know, her own story of coming back from multiple cruciate injuries, being a professional soccer player, coming back into Gaelic football, and you know, it's it's just it's a brilliant story. But how she leads that team is is brilliant in itself, and obviously as well leads by example. That team, you look through the spine of the team, unlike the men's team we talked about, that spine's still there. They still have the key people there. Geraldine obviously gets the, you know, gets the headlines by and large, rightly so. But you look at Katie Hearn, Yvonne Bonner, Nicole McLaughlin, Rushing McCafferty, Neve Hegarty, Karen Guthrie. Like the service that they have given Donegal football is is like when they eventually and I suppose unfortunately that time's coming soon as well when they step off like you know there there needs to be a serious sort of acknowledgement of that I was just thinking there before I came on two players that I'm sure Maxi Kern would love to have Kira Grant and Amber Barrett are heading to the Women's World Cup next year I mean you know you always want everybody available those players were available and playing for Donegal in the very very near past and have you know just gone down the road, their own path but you know you think how good that team would be with, with those players in it. I mean, but now look, and I mean, good young players coming up as well. The likes of, you know, Susie White and, and Rushing Rogers coming in now, knocking on the door as well. And I think there's there's still excitement, exciting times ahead for, for that team. Yeah, unbelievable achievement there, Neve McLaughlin. And of course, can we see the rising clubs now? Dunlow, such a brilliant year. My own Ardrad and brilliant work at ladies football. Arua, Bally Shannon. And then we have the, you know, the traditional powerhouse, Glen Finn. Terman, they had another fantastic year. Um, just doing great. And I think the more clubs that are involved definitely uh, is going to lend itself. It's going to be conducive to, you know, a winning county and a successful one in the next couple of years. Definitely things on the up. And we talk about, 
more clubs involved. Donegal actually quite similar in the hurling, and you'll touch on that in a second, Chris. But Connor, how would you assess the the, the hurlers this year, twenty twenty two? Yeah, I think if anything, they were actually very unfortunate, Paddy. I mean, if you want to look at the um, Nicky Racker Cup, they're in. You know, they they came third in in their group stage, so they did. They they played five, won three, uh, drew one, and lost one. And you know, they they just lost out in the end. I think it was by four points, one twenty three to one nineteen to Tyrone, and it was Tyrone who just pipped them for the last two to get into that final. And Tyrone eventually won it, so they did. They overcame Ross Common, so they'll have another. You know, a lot of hurt coming into twenty twenty three. With, with that, you know, and, and they'll be well primed, you know, to be one of the top teams in the Nicky record. And then again in the league, you know, they, they sat in division 2B, so they did, and they, they just lost out again, so they did, uh, in the semi final to Sligo. Sligo overcame them by a point, 120 to 119, and Sligo went on to meet Derry in the, in the division 2 final, so they did, which, uh, Derry, um, Derry went on to win. But like overall, you know, you can take a lot of positives out compared to where they probably were in the past. And, you know, with Satanta winning the Ulster Junior and just falling short last week, then in the end, I mean, you know, and the amount of clubs coming as well at, at Donegal level, you know, Chris might have followed it as much as me, but overall it's on the up and up and, you know, good good signs ahead. And like Chris, you may have, you know, followed it as much as me as well. Like what your assessment of Donegal hurling is? Yeah, I think, you know, you look at participation levels. Um, I remember a time when the Donegal senior hurling team was made up 1 to 15 and beyond of Burt players. Burt were actually the Donegal hurling team. And, you know, you look back at that stage, the local scene obviously wasn't as competitive as it is now. You look at the, the volume of clubs now that are contributing to the Donegal senior hurling team. You look at the amount of clubs now. I mean, we have an intermediate championship now in Donegal. We have a senior championship. The two of those are sort of linked where, you know, the top sides from the group go into the senior and the other sides go to the intermediate. There's, like, serious work going all through the clubs. You know, you look at Dunlow, who have kind of initiated hurling the last couple of years, Richie Ryan's and uh, a leading player now in the county team. Satanta, of course, and Burt still kind of leading the way. They'd still be seen as the powerhouses. But the likes of Dunlow, Cairndonna, Arua, coming, uh, so many clubs now are doing so much work. And it's not unseen work now because it's been reflected in the county team. And that competitive club scene can only be good for Donegal Hurling and can only bode well for the future Donegal Hurling now going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's it. And... As we say, all in all, as we just finished the show, it hopefully it'll lead to a positive in 2023 on all fronts and all sports in GA. I look, I mean, while we're talking here and we're in a podcast and that, there's, there's a lot of um, worse things going on in the world. You know, someone, famous football manager said, sport is the most important of the least important things, you know. So health and happiness is always number one. And we're all lunatics and we all just like everybody. Everybody's doing their best as well. We have to always, I think, take a step back and all of us that... They're all amateurs, everybody we're talking about. So, but it's trickier at club level, Chris, isn't it? Or at local level, too, at times. And you've done such brilliant work in national circles as well. But local, sometimes you never want to put the knife into a man that might live five rows down. The, people say, Well, why are you not cutting him down? Or why are you not doing this? I says, Hang on a second. You can criticize that, but I'm not name calling somebody. That's just, in fact, abuse and name calling. I know I'm completely digressing, actually ruins it for the people that want to have a nuanced debate. Because then that's the overriding thing of that, Connor. So people would say, well, you might say, Donegal were terrible in the Ulster final, or Donegal were terrible in X, Y, or Z. Then some lad will 
tweet you and call a player a name or uh, and you're like well you've just ruined what I what you're trying to discuss now 98% of people thankfully don't do that but that's my point so maybe my hope actually for 2023 is people chill out somewhat online <laughs> well you know we can so go ahead Chris no, there's also a a thing that's that's become an annoyance for me, Paddy, is that people kind of you know if if a team loses by fifteen points and you know you like, you don't put the hammer in them, but you you know you basically tell the story of what happened. Somebody comes around and tells you, oh, you should have been more positive about them, and you're thinking, Jesus, you know, come on, or or the other side where, you know, people think that you're being negative. You know, this word negative now it is all ends of connotation, you're, you're just telling the story of what happened. You're not actually throwing some guy out in front of the moving train. You're just simply saying what happened. But people kind of perceive what negativity is and what positivity should be to be actually absent from what the reality is. You know, I mean, like we're just here to tell stories and people think sometimes by actually just telling the story of what happened, you're putting the boot and that's actually not the case at all. And it's also not the case where we as either people, journalists, fans, call us what you will, you know, we don't always have to be out with the pom-poms and being cheerleaders. You know, we just simply say what happened. And sometimes we don't even give an opinion and sometimes we're seen as giving opinion. But again, people are unable at the moment to step back and see, oh, right, okay, that's what's happening. The media is not, has not, and should never be a PR machine for any institution, Chris, whether that's the I- IRFU the FAA, you're big into boxing, the GAA, you're not out to put it. We're not PR machines. If a performance of Donegal lose to Kildare by nine points, we say on the show, it's a really bad performance. That I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, but, a, but also... You wouldn't, have any, you wouldn't have any listeners the following week. If, if, so, if you didn't say that, you would have no listeners. Paddy, you're 100% right. And then that actually then works the other way where, you know, after the games this year, like people would have said to me, "Oh, why aren't you just calling that out?" Or why are like we do go and like when Donegal lose to Derry in the Ulster final, Declan Boner was asked, "What the hell happened?" Basically, do you know what I mean? Like you know, you can ask the fella. The guy gives his answer. You know, you know. I, I think people sort of sometimes want to see Harry McGill stand on the halfway line and Clonus actually having a roaring shout match with Declan Boner because he made a substitution in the forty fourth minute. You know, that's not how it happens, you know. But again, the two sides of that barrier are just probably a microcosm of, of the modern world that we live in. Chris, just on that, before we go, what was the highlight of 2022 at Skimpy? At Skimpy. Connor, I'm going to ask you the same. I've thrown you under a bus with that one, Chris. Connor? Yeah, it's, again, it's 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 very hard because when you're very quickly, when you start in the league and... It you know set the tone for a bad year leading into the championship. You had the suspensions coming against Armagh, and then we had a positive semi final, and then it just came crashing down in the final. And I don't think club football made it any better. You know, I tried to take a, a flip on it as as disappointing we are. Uh, we were sorry with twenty twenty two, especially in the recent time with the retirement of Michael Murphy. I still try and look at it as a positive light. I look at it as, as a positive that I think a lot of players are going to stand up and take control. And it, it's a new generation on who's going to be the new leaders in Donegal. I think if you want to go through the team without going through all of them, you know, Shane O'Donnell's coming into his own, Brendan McCall, 
you know, was really dominating that full back line as, you know, the heir apparent of Neil McGee. So I do think there's positives there. I think the team is of an age now where they might have had them, you know, marks of them. How are they a golden generation when they're not winning trophies? So it leaves it up for debate in 2022. But with the whole retirement of of Michael Murphy, you know, I just do look back on it and say, regardless if you're a GAA fan or not, I think from that period of 2011 to 2022, you know, he just, and that team alone, just brought an awful lot of happiness to a lot of people in Donegal who were starved of success for so many years. And Murphy was the man who led that. And, you know, I was a bit young at the time who was just following the football but if you talk to anyone that was older than me and maybe you two lads were part of it, they said, regardless if you watch the football or not, it just was one hell of a party. And now he's gone. And, um, you know, we will move on from that, but we'll have them great memories. And that's the only thing I can probably take out of 2022. Yeah, look, Chris, you don't have to answer the highlights of 2022. If you want, you can. I'll ask you another one. Because as I said 50 times, I'm the Grinch. You can, I, but I'll ask you instead, i rephrase it. What are your hopes for 2023? Hope for 2023 is, is that Donegal maintain their place among the contenders at provincial level, that we can manage to stay in Division 1. I think that's very, very important. And that we can have a decent Ulster Championship campaign. The draw has been okay to us. And that we can sort of see the signs that, yeah, you know, we can move on from Michael Murphy. And that I hope to God that every single week that we're not hearing somebody on a sideline asking Paddy Carr, what if Michael Murphy was there? <laughs> you know, please, please, can we just, you know, not go down that road? Please. I, I wouldn't yeah, be I, positive, I, Chris. I can't go that. And because it's my podcast, I'm going to answer my own hopes. I actually would go with what Chris said. Yeah, exactly. And another team to come in the senior championship in Donegal and look like a team that can... I, I, I don't know. I don't know who that team is at the minute, but just somebody. Our draw. Not yet, but it will happen. Will happen. Will happen. Will happen. So, uh, what's up, lads? Chris, I think I told you. I think actually the biggest lay I've ever told you is actually you. I think 25 minutes I said, and we're an hour and 30. Chris, thanks so much for joining us here, Chris. Thanks, Paddy. So, that's a wrap, Connor. So, thanks a million to Chris McNulty. And I just want to give a big. Shout out to all our contributors right throughout the year. They give up their time. They come on the show, whether that's out and about at matches, whether that's coming online here and just the previews, the reviews. A big shout out to Kieran Cannon, who filled in for a couple of shows. Yourself, Connor, really appreciated. You co-hosted with me here a number of times and done loads of shows on your own. And, of course, the legend Austin O'Callaghan on production, who, you know, does just everybody knows Austin and how well respected he is in local and national circles. So, and listen, listenership for some reason way up this year. So we don't get it all right, but we do our best. And yeah, so that's it. Connor, looking forward to the turkey now. Are you going to chill out in Donegal town? I will be, and it'll be uh, feet up for the most of it. The turkey and ham, the desserts, bit of drink, and uh, no judgment. And then maybe. As we all do, we say we'll get back into the gym then in January. We'll attempt it. We might not be as optimistic about it in February. And then we'll look for a positive 2023. Good man, Connor, and health and happiness to all our listeners. We hope you have a brilliant, brilliant Christmas. We're hoping to have season five out sometime in 
January. So from Connor Breslin. Paddy McGill, thanks so much. Right throughout the year for listening to the Donegal GAA podcast, and we will talk to you sometime in 2023. Bye bye. Donegal Plumbing and Heating, Old Lahey Road, Donegal Town. Suppliers of underfloor heating packages, aluminium radiators, Samson and Daikin air-to-water heat pumps and all your renewable needs. And sponsors of the Donegal GAA podcast.